Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Let's do a podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis, and with me, as always, is Toasty. <sighs> How you doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Good. That makes me happy. I was like, it also makes me happy that we don't really have anything to report on the scream sheets from last week. Uh, we didn't get anything wrong. But I did want to give the full title of the book that I referenced to. It's by Kate Moore, and it's called The Radium Girls, The Dark History, The Dark Story of America's Shining Women, harrowing historical nonfiction bestseller about a courageous fight for justice. That last little bit was just like what Amazon told me it was rated as. And I'm like, that actually fits it perfectly. It's such a specific rating, but I guess makes sense, yeah. Well, I, maybe that those were just like the quotable tags or something that they put on there. I don't know. It was just part of the title that I found, so I wanted to read that out because it is a very messed up story. Oh. Well, it's just like be funny. It's like, oh yeah, this is one of the best selling non harrowing historical nonfiction uh books about courageous a courageous fight for justice like it's like oh yeah bestseller in that category it's like <laughs> yeah how many how many fucking books are in that category <laughs> well they're right but could you also imagine the audacity if you put the word bestseller in your title before you even sold anything you just know okay you just know confidence is key yeah so tonight we are moving across the globe and we are going to talk about the Soviet something or other. Yeah, the uh it, I mean it's had it's had a ton of names in our uh history um and it has even more in cyberpunk history including um the USSR but that stands for Oh, Union of Sovereign Soviet Republics, rather than Union of Socialist Soviet Republics. Though they had that name too. Um, uh, Neo Sov, Neo Soviet. Like, there's a lot of stuff. So, <clears throat> a lot of names for this place. So many different names. Mm -hmm. 
So we want to go over the history of it a little bit. So like last week, uh, the timeline of the Soviet Union diverges from ours around the 1990s. Um, specifically, uh, and it's it's cool because this is a this is a specific person who actually like existed in like the real world timeline. Uh, he is included in this one as well, and some of his deeds are the same. Um, but then it changes a little bit. So it it starts in the 1990s when a uh, premier or um, it's kind of like a president or prime minister position. Uh, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev uh, changed the Soviet Union into the Soviet Federation, uh, granting all of its members sovereign status. So specifically, he didn't do this part, but he did uh, in in like real life, he did do a long string of like helping to get them out of their like Marxist um, and communist regime and trying to push them towards a more democratic. Um, and he did that in this timeline too, but then took it a step further and made all of the, the, the states like sovereign. Um, and then his, his successor, uh, Andre Gorbarev, continued the reforms of his predecessor, creating a free trade zone that united the sovereign republics in a man- manner similar to the EEC, except with the addition of an army and foreign policy. He dubbed this new nation the Union of Sovereign Soviet Republics. So a different USSR. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because I was like, the name Gorbachev definitely rings a bell in my head. But then I don't think that... Gorbachev is not a real person. Okay, yeah. I was so, like, it was throwing me off so hard while I was researching because I was like, okay, Gorbachev, real person. Does that mean Gorbachev is a real... No, I... No, Google doesn't know this name at all. But it was it was like, what if, I, what if he is and I'm just not finding it? I don't know. But I searched fairly extensively so i think that that it's safe to say i think he is cyber cyberpunk exclusive (laughs) cyberpunk exclusive i like it all right another thing that is cyber cyberpunk exclusive is the rise of sov oil now sov oil i mean i guess it could stand for anything a soviet oil um yeah it could also be like sovereign nation oil or so sov oil could mean any one of those things, but we will just go with sov oil. Um, and that company rose to power in the early 2000s. So the rebellion known as the Knights of Fire was orchestrated by the KGB remnants and communist hardliners and resulted in a loss as well as a great cost in both men and material. Sov oil requested the authorization to establish establish its own security force, arguing that the Soviet army did not have enough resources to defend all of its facilities. The state gave Savoyo the authorization requested, and this backfired spectacularly on Moscow, as it led to the Soviet corporate rebellion of 2002, in which Savoyo declared itself an independent entity. The state took military action to prevent this, but its forces were outmatched by better equipped and motivated Sovoil troops. 
the state was forced to admit defeat and accept the independence of Sav Oil. Sav Oil became the most powerful faction within the Neo-Soviet Union. New secessionist movements then threatened to break up the various sovereign republics, but Savoyal prevented this from happening through covert action and diplomacy. Savoyal had a vested interest in keeping the USSR intact and stable, and therefore used its political power, troops, and resources to make it so. So the Soviet oil company became a sovereign nation, and now Savoyal has multiple meanings. Kind of already touched on that. Yep. In 2006, Sav Oil began to produce Chutu under license from Biotechnica, which it marketed throughout Europe. This last minute cancellation of a deal with Petrochem, where Sav Oil would have received upon updated drilling, pumping, and Chutu technology in exchange for granting partial drilling rights in untapped Siberian oil fields led to a permanent rift between the two megacorporations. Like, I don't even think I remember Petrochem. Uh, they're included in there. They're not, like, obviously because they're not, like, one of the bigger overarching. Um, they're not one of the big deal corps from our perspective for Night City because it's all about, you know, Arasaka, Militech. Um, and then, like, but Petrochem does get, like, referenced fairly often. Because they're just like, kind of, just kind of there. Just kind of one of like the staples. I think they're still one of the bigger um, corporations in uh, the entirety of cyberpunk. But they just don't, they don't like have the spotlight in 2077 or even in most of the, uh, I guess, specifically because of 2077. They usually don't either in like, in red, I guess, because... It's like still Militech, Arasaka, and then like the Neocorps that they added. So mm-hmm. a lot of people do like look more at those two. So Okay. So that rift that led to animosity then became hostility and erupted into violence and escalated into the second corporate war. A conflict into which numerous smaller corporations were dragged. So moving on to the uh, 2010s. Uh, the war between Savoil and Petrochem ended in mid-2010, and the years that followed, the political importance of Savoil leadership for the USSR is proven by the role that its chairperson, Arkady Chermenino, <laughs> probably butchered that, just so everyone knows, uh, had in resolving a conflict between Latvia and Lithuania during 2016. The megacorporation showed that it had become the major unifying force in the union. By the end of the decade, Savoil became the seventh largest corporation in the world in terms of value and continued to move its way up, becoming one of the major powers in the world. By leveraging its political power in the union, where it could draw on the resources of the republics and the central committee as tools when necessary, the megacorporation also maintained neo-Soviet influence relevant throughout the world. Oh, yeah. Seventh largest corporation in the world. So that's like what? Arasaka, Militech, Biotechnica. Uh, Probably Kangtao is in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if Petrochem's in, in that group too. 
trying to think what are the other big deal ones are. I can't remember. <laughs> There's something that we can put on the screen sheets for next week. What are the big, like the top 10 co- corporations? That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's jump time a little bit and move on to the fourth corporate war, something we've talked about a lot. <laughs> so from 2021 to 2023, the USSR had fairly limited association with Japan and the U.S. during this time, as well as little to no Militech or Arasaka assets within their borders. So their involvement in the fourth corporate war was one of gain. Russia was an acting neutral country, selling weapons, ammo, and equipment to anyone. The neo-Soviet rocket corps was doing pretty much the same thing, selling cheap rocket lifters for small satellites at rates that undercut the ESA, the African Earth-to-Orbit Railgun Cargo Lifters, as corporations scrambled to plant more satellites in lower Earth orbit. Moving on to the... uh Basically, post uh, post Fourth Corporate War, moving up into the time of the Red, uh, despite the massive reforms of the 1990s and growth of soft oil during the 2020s, neo-Soviet republics were still weakened by their antiquated technology. In 2045, the USSR couldn't fully feed its hungry population. A new generation of highly aggressive oligarchs rose as the failure of the economic and social reforms became evident. Unlike the Novosovetskaya Partia, or the NSP, uh, predecessors who were content to simply siphon off the remaining assets of the state, the neo-Soviet oligarchs were more akin to the megacorporations of the Roaring Twenty-Twenties, hungry for power and willing to do anything to accomplish it. Old powers such as Savoil were preparing for the next step in their evolution, aware that oil would stop being a prime source of revenue. The megacorporation diversified into more services and goods, moving into new areas like general agriculture, chew-tube power systems, aircrafts, computers, and synthetics. New players also emerged, such as Zarafa Technical Manufacturing, which brought the GRAF-3 construction drone to the market in 2039. For the first time in decades, neo-Soviet technology was considerably more reliable and inexpensive enough to be purchased in bulk by local governments. Within a handful of years, many governments and corporations across the world had come to rely on the neo-corporations line of aerial and terrestrial combat drones for use by their security and law enforcement. I think I'm wondering if this is what we see in Night City, like like uh, with the NCPD. I doubt it because they're really broke. But like, if these are the the same lines of like aerial combat drones that we like Mm. run into in 2077. Oh yeah, I've definitely seen like the little drones, like the non-hostile ones. I've seen those like wandering around little factories and like the big vat tanks, which I assume now have Chew Chew in them. Yeah. Next time I, next time I play, I'm gonna have to kill a police drone and see if it's got like the markings on it at all to like mm-hmm. signify what like corporation it comes from. Yeah. Also, I think my brain is just triggering on the word neo. Like, I see Neo-Soviet, and I'm like, ah, 
It's it's weirding me out because I assume that the next word is going to be Nazi, and I'm like, no, not good. But in this case, like <laughs> neo Soviets, not bad. Yeah, yeah, they actually like doing kind of all right for themselves. But yeah, I can definitely see it. But you know that like neo is just like used in in this genre to like signify like I mean how many things we got? I mean we got the got neo-soviet uh we got neo-corporations we got neo-tokyo like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on got neo from matrix i was just gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) sorry i stole your i stole your joke (laughs) no it's all good it just means that we're same braining tonight and that's a good thing so what am i gonna say next that it's time to take a bit of a mid-break that's right Here we go. That was lame. (laughs) Oh, it's all good, though. Here we are in the middle of the show where we talk about the show and not the lore of cyberpunk. We don't have any new patrons this week and we don't have any new reviews to read out. It's all good. We still want to say thank you to all 17 of our patrons. Uh, woohoo! I know. We are out there kicking ass. And if you would like to join uh, join the Patreon and get uh, access to uh, ad-free versions of the show, extended versions of the show, uh, we also have our monthly Patreon chat at the end of the month where we discuss a topic and just go off into a whole nerd sphere of amazingness. So come and join us on patreon.com slash cyberpunklorecast. You can also support the show by leaving a rating or a review um, on any of your podcasting apps. Or if you are in the mood to pick up a new dice set or even just a big solid singular dice, head over to metallicdicegames.com and use the code CPLC at checkout. Cyberpunk lore cast. Got anything else you want to say? Thanks. That was a big thumbs up from Toasty. Good job. Back into it. All right. So we've talked, let's break out some of the other countries that are in the union. Cause we do have a little bit of inf- information about the, not the whole USSR as a whole. So, uh, and I know this is a particularly interesting given, uh, current events, but, uh, you know, moving on from Russia, uh, to Ukraine, unlike current Ukraine, uh, cyberpunk Ukraine's actually doing pretty all right for themselves. Uh, so even after two droughts, one crop killer virus, and overall global weather mess up, Ukraine stayed as the second greatest food producer in the Neo-Soviet Union. The black soil for which the land is known is one of the most fertile soils there are, which is why the Russians kept occupying it until the 1990s. So, you know, there's a little bit of overlap there. Um after the Red Army took off, Savoyal immediately returned and bought up 30% of all arable land. It was questioned what was better, being governed by the Russians 
or being owned by them. In hmm. summer, it's a green and pleasant land. In winter, it is subject to dry freezes. Only exceptions are in the vicinity of Chernobyl, which is still a radioactive nightmare in this universe, and the Krim, where there are high temperatures and less rainfall, as well as incredibly strange weather patterns. Oh, okay. So you said in this world, uh, so it's in both worlds, right? That it's still mm -hmm. a radioactive nightmare? Oi. Mm -hmm. And then what are strange weather patterns? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Do, d does it does it rain weird things or does the snow fall purple? I think or... it's, I believe I believe it's in the sense of like irregular weather weather patterns. So mm -hmm. like they get like ridiculous storms or or just like not reliable. I mean, obviously they don't get a lot of rainfall, so it's just kind of like random like storms that go kind of just. No. That's not as much fun as purple rain. It, it, purple rain. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not that young. I know what Prince is. <clears throat> Moving on from Prince into Belarus. Politics in Belarus mirror the geographical layout of the country. Mainly swampy. There are two major elements to the political atmosphere, one of which is the socialist hardliners, who control a majority in the parliament, despite losing a fair few members in the Knights of Fire. The second big thing is the ramble about rejoining Russia and bringing about the grand reunification. There really seems to be no foundation for this idea, but despite that, it is still a hotly discussed topic. Yeah. It's just, they talk about it all the time, but like, no one supports it, but apparently they just talk about it happening all the time. This uh, is very interesting. <laughs> I think of also Brexit and uh, Texas seceding. Uh, true, but I mean, Brexit still happened, so. At least Texas hasn't seceded. As... Yet. Oh, God. Yet. Yeah, hasn't yeah. seceded yet. Uh, don't, don't worry. If it ever actually gets decided upon, you'll hear it here. Because Toasty's in Texas. And Toasty won't be in Texas very much longer if it decides to secede. Um, because... Uh, uh, some fuck shit in politics here. Really bad stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. <clears throat> Pretty cyberpunk esque, honestly, on the political spectrum for uh, Texas. Um, but, anyways, moving on to Moldova. Uh, Moldova has many issues these nights from the separatists of the Genister Republic. D-N-I-E-S-T-E-R. If anyone knows how the correct pronunciation is that, add us in the, the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel on, on, the, on the Discord. So from the separatists of the Nista Republic trying to secede to the Ukraine, uh, to the pro-Romanian nationalists that want to incorporate Moldova into Romania. The problem for the separatists is that they don't have the public support they need for a civil war. 
The Ukrainians there are happy with the deals they struck with the government to create a separate republic within Moldova. So the rebels have to be content with growing hemp and smuggling dope to their Ukrainian supporters. An attempt was made by planning a couple hits on city walls, but when the militia burnt their plantations, this came to a sudden stop. It was rumored they had planned on renewing their fight for freedom, but the only step to happen was the wide circulation of guns that may or may not have been used for preparation. So they went to go have a civil war and the militia was like, no, 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 no. We ain't doing that here. It was like, okay, okay, fine. Uh, The Romanian nationalists are filled with blind idealists and most people seem to not put stock in their ideas. The government luckily has yet to have issues resulting from these factions as they couldn't afford to deal with either of the two neighbors. Moldova depends on Ukraine for basically all energy related products from coal to raw current. The economy here is based on farmers with the abundance of black soil. If Moldova were to be blockaded, the country would be thrown back to the Middle Ages. So a delicate balance is maintained. Hmm. Having a rough time in Moldova. Yeah. Caught between a rock and a hard place known as Ukraine, Romania. Okay. Now I'm going to upfront apologize for my Russian because it is not good at all. But I'm going to cover Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. Since the breakup of the old USSR, there has been tension between Russia and Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan. The Those three desired a kind of union within the union established, but to the disapproval of many interested parties, such as China and the Czech Republic. These problems, however, were more or less disregarded when Orthodox Christians started warring with the Muslims in that area. So now we have holy wars on top of all of it. Because why not? <laughs> because why not, honestly? Yeah. Okay. The Muslims announced the creation of the Islamic Asian Republic, the IAR, which included Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan. The Christians felt threatened in this state as they were oppressed throughout its territory and began to collect weapons in order to resist their regime. Along the way, a big war broke out between the two factions. The IAR won in position, but as a result, with the help of Savoyal troops. The war was stopped and a peace treaty was subsequently concluded, and trade and military agreements were concluded in the new USSR. So Sav stepped in in order to broker peace between a holy war. Yeah, I guess there's just no money involved in that, so they can't be interested. They have to stop it rather than promote it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It was like, it was, it was, corporations usually don't care, so it's a little weird that they like stepped in on this one. I guess that they saw opportunity for profit in stopping this, so yeah, fair enough. 
Well, yeah, because, I mean, at this point, if it's just people killing people over religious reasons, that has nothing to do with politics or power. So. Fair enough. <clears throat> so, uh, moving on to the State of the Union in 2077. Uh, the Soviet Union is the world's largest area of land controlled by a single political entity covering approximately one-seventh of Earth's land surface. One-seventh. That's ridiculous. It's a sovereign union made up of various somewhat independent countries. It is two and a half times the size of the United States and only slightly smaller in land area than the entire continent of North America. It covers most of the northern half of Asia and a large part of Eastern Europe, extending even into the Middle East. About one quarter of its territory is in Europe and the rest in Asia. Territory of the USSR is dominated by the Russian Soviet Federative Socialist Republic, having the same... God, that's a fucking title. Right? (laughs) The RSFSR. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> uh Having the same borders as contemporary Russia, which covered roughly three quarters of the surface area of the Union. The Soviets also have joint control of the Kuril Islands with Japan. The USSR covers some 8,650,000 square miles or 22,000 or 22,400,000 square kilometers. Uh, Savoy controls most of the politics and landmass in the Soviet Union, having many facilities in every member country. Savoy owns much of the countryside in the rural areas, especially in Siberia. They are the only real power. Its moles work in both the syndicates and government, and they have the full capability of taking total control, but choose not to. Wow. That, okay, 8 million miles, that's huge, like, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, But then they have the capability of taking control, but choose not to. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they already kind of run, like, they've, they've got everyone in the pocket, like, like, just taking over completely. Is just like a waste of resources when you already control everything. Yeah. Like why bother full control when you have the like you already have it without investing without it being more forceful. Into yeah. It, so. Also, I love uh, the double play on the word. Um, they are the only real power. I mean, they're the only corporate power, but then like they produce the power, the actual like necessary stuff to uh, do things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, besides Savoil, the Arasaka Corporation also owns bases and facilities in eastern Siberia. Because of the Soviet Union covering one-seventh of the Earth's land, the climate is very different across each territory. However, most of the year, the territory of the Soviet Union stays relatively cold. There's wild open landscapes and mountains that stretch for hundreds of miles, as well as ice and snow that covers all of Siberia. So honestly, it's really only good for garnering resources. So God, I don't, it's just seems, I always see stuff about Siberia and how cold it is. 
but then it's like you see more stuff that just makes it sound even colder and you're like there's people that live there <laughs> it's like couldn't be me no nope. couldn't be me ever Mm-mm. i like warm yeah okay as for the other major powers the cities find themselves under the influence of the corpse as well as the russian mafia or the organ it's sakaya Organitskaya? Yeah. Organitskaya. I think it's the organization. Yeah. But in Russian. And the state. Because the emergency decrees passed in the 1990s are still in effect, the president is able to make his own laws without the approval of parliament if he desires. Bolstering his power is the Russian military service, or the GRU which has become the KGB's successor. Many of the old KGB agents were reinstated into the GRU, or the Interior Ministry. The GRU is an organization as brutal as the old KGB had been. Most recently, many citizens were guaranteed free public health care and access to the latest medical technology, complete with modern aerodynes, and new cities were being built to house and employ the USSR's increasingly sedentary nomad population. However, basic resources remained scarce, and population was a significant problem. The government (laughs) the government created an AI named Grigori. Grigori. Grigori with the sole purpose of calculating solutions to these issues. Bioengineers celebrated the first successful cloning of a cave lion, um, which is kind of surprising because there's not a whole lot of mammals left. So I guess the fact that they have some there is pretty uh, neat. Uh, scientists from Yakutsk. Is that oh, Yakutsk? Yakutsk. Tokyo and Seoul used genetic material from the remains of an ancient female lion discovered in a bog near Kolima River in northern Siberia. Oh, so it's dead. They used the uh, the oh, it's like Jurassic Park, but mm-hmm. a mountain lion. Yep. The Soviet Union and China competed to secure a major arms deal with Arasaka that would put the losing country at a severe military disadvantage. The Secretary General of the Soviet Union hired Mikhail Ukolov to personally spearhead negotiations with Arasaka on his behalf. The fixer brought Shelma to monitor Chinese activity on the local net, conceal his purpose in Night City, and check the status of China's talks with Arasaka. In this is happening. There's still... This is still a ongoing issue mm-hmm. in 2077. Yeah. So you have said that I am not allowed to touch the radioactive glass. Am I allowed to pet the big cave lion kitty? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Because I would, I would want to pet it too, so that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's. It, it's probably like at this like it's they cloned it so it's like both raised in in, in captivity and 
probably has been like genetically modified to be less hostile than its counterparts would be. So it's probably safe. You probably cuddle with it and probably be fine. I yep that 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 sounds good. <laughs> Big giant kitty cuddles. Uh all right. I think we have definitely covered a lot of information about the largest countries that we will be talking about. I, I, I'm still blown away by the fact that, you know, they can all get along by the end of this. Yeah, there's still some political stuff and there's some little fighting going on, but considering how actual real world 2023 uh, Russia politics are right now. Cyberpunk just fucking blows me away. Yeah, it's like who would have thought that the USSR would actually like end up a pretty solid and like nice nation. Like, ah, right? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, obviously, it all started back in the nineties. We got the wrong person to lead after Gorbachev. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what it was. Mm. Eh, I mean, with the uh, which, by the way, like for uh, like people that that don't know about all like the that stuff, um, Gorbachev was actually the successor to Lenin. So, uh, like that was like the Marxism Lenin like mm-hmm. ideology, like the the really awful shit. Um, the, the dude that really turned that country communist in the first place. So like, yeah. So like, I mean, you went from that to that, but then unfortunately in our timeline, which very interesting that it's the opposite to cyberpunk yet more cyberpunk. honestly on our end is that it got taken over by someone else. Not as nice. So, <clears throat> and they're now falling down uh, a much less, likely path can we switch it's not allowed can we like um, can we switch like cyberpunk in 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 real life maybe yeah i don't know there there's a lot of people involved and i don't know how the rest of the countries would feel about that uh, that's true that's true well i mean i guess all we can hope for is that things turn out for the better uh on our end of things and we can do that right well thanks for joining us here tonight everybody uh if you would like to continue the discussion please follow us at twitter uh, uh, on twitter at cyberpunk lore and of course you can find us patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast and on the robots radio discord links to those and everything is in the description including our email and how to check out miracle of sound he's got his own separate website and i also include his youtube channel on our description because dude is just that damn awesome uh, if you would like more of me, you can find me in the Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord or on the Two Girls, One Ship podcast, where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And if you would like more of me and 
still Genesis again sometimes. Um, you can check out the uh, Witcher Lorecast um, that I do uh, with Tom slash Robots. Uh, or uh, since you're you know already probably a fan of Cyberpunk, the uh, Cyberpunk Red actual play podcast Cyberpunk Cyberpunk apostrophe D uh, that I do with the Fumbling for an Almighty Crit game. Right. While you're walking around listening to podcasts or music, always remember stay safe in Night City. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping.